I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and I'm finally back. I'm a little tired, I'm a little scattered, but we're going to try popping out an episode this week because I know it's been a couple of weeks, and I do apologize for that. So welcome to episode 20, in which we are relieved. Anyone who is on Big Tent or has liked our Quilting for the Rest of Us Facebook page or follows my blog already knows at least the basics of what's been going on the last couple of weeks. For those of you who are listeners only, I'll give you a little bit of a recap. On um, Thursday, August, oh, what was that, August 12th? My son came home after being out with um, friends for the afternoon. He had gone out to lunch with them, and he came home, and he thought he had food poisoning. And he was um, sick to his stomach for a couple of days and really pretty down for the count, but he was convinced he had food poisoning, so were all of us. Um, It wasn't until Saturday night that... um, his pain, stomach pain, became so intense that my husband finally took him into the emergency room and over the course of that evening into Sunday morning discovered he actually had acute appendicitis and he went in for surgery on Sunday afternoon the 15th Um, and once they got in there and looked at what was going on it turned out he had a ruptured appendix and um, some pretty intense internal damage from it and so uh, what was supposed to be about an hour and 15 minute long surgery turned into a four-hour surgery Um, he's got an somewhere between an eight maybe ten inch scar all the way down his midsection now they couldn't quite go in laparoscopically they ended up having to do a larger incision to be able to get at all the damage and they put him in ICU and he was on a ventilator tube for a couple of days or I guess maybe just about 24 hours at that point um, and was in ICU for two or three days and in the hospital until just this past Monday the 23rd Uh, So it was quite a long ordeal for us. And although he's now home, the ordeal is not over for the poor guy. He is still recovering um, that kind of an abdominal incision, as many of you may well know, takes a while to recover from. Um, Fortunately for him, he is 19, and that does speed up processes significantly. Uh, But he's still on antibiotics and still has a lot of restrictions around what he can and can't do. Um, The worst of which for him is that he was supposed to move back to college this weekend, uh, tomorrow, in fact, and will not be able to do that. We're not entirely sure at this point when he will actually be able to move back. Um, He has his follow-up appointment with the surgeon on this coming Monday. And so we're hoping at that point that she, you know, maybe says just a a few more days. Um, It's hard to know what actually needs to be healed by the time he goes back versus what he can continue to live with on campus. Um, By Monday, he'll be off his antibiotics, I believe. He'll be finished with the course of them by then. Um, That was also some good news. Originally, we had been told that he would be on IV antibiotics when he came home, and we'd be dealing with IV tubes and flushing them out and doing all that kind of good stuff. And fortunately, they were able to move him to a pill form 
antibiotic before he came home. So we do not have to deal with IVs, which is a wonderful thing for him and for me, because I would have been the one home with him all day changing that darn IV. And I'm so thrilled not to have to learn how to do that. As it is, I have to um, help him change his bandage on his incision two or three times a day, um, because it needs a little extra care uh, so that it doesn't get infection etc. So he is doing well, but it has been a a pretty intense couple of weeks. Um, Not at all how any of us expected to end our summer. Um, I was saying to my husband the other day, this is a summer that I will be thrilled to see the end of. Um, And not for the same reason that Frances is (laughs) thrilled to see the end of her uh, summer. I've been listening to her podcast. I've been trying to catch up on a lot of podcasts the last couple days. And um, Frances's children are younger than mine. So summer means something very different in her house than it does in mine. Uh, But in any case, this has been kind of a rough summer for us in some respects, uh, not the least of which was ending it with a bang in the hospital. So uh, the first thing I do want to do is say thank you, thank you so much to all of you who contacted me with your well wishes for my son and for me and for my family and for your prayers. And um, I'm not going to be able to read off everybody's comments because that would be an hour and a half long episode in itself. But I just want to give a shout out to everybody who did send me um, emails and left comments in Big Tent and on Facebook and in my blog and on Podbean, etc. I'm going to try to list the names here. I hope I don't miss anybody. I am going to just sort of lump the Big Tent crew, everybody who's a member of the Quilting for the Rest of Us Big Tent group, um, just all in one lump. Thank you to all of you. And we had some great conversation there. And so they got more uh, thorough updates than anyone else. So thank you so much to all of you for being in conversation with me um, in Big Tent. I also want to say thanks to Nancy and Debbie and Joan from England and Chris and Tammy, Kathy, Sewing Geek, Mary Sarah, Nitwish, JL, Maureen, Marumo, Sherry D, um, Jackie G, Darcine, Jane, a.k.a. Mom, uh, Gretchen, Lori, Lady Rags, who has a variety of other AKAs herself, uh, Connie, Deb, Colleen, Susan, Corinne or Corrine, Robin, Sue, Lori, Jane, Kathy, Lynn, Ruthann, Darla, Francis, and Kate V of Library Fame. Some of you have heard me uh, reference Kate before. Um, thank you to all of you for your well wishes that you left in a variety of places. Um, not only was that fun for me and um, meaningful to me, but also I did share with my son whenever I got new messages, I'd say, oh, hey, so-and-so just texted me. And even though he didn't know who you were, (laughs) he appreciated that you were thinking of him too. So thank you so much for that. Um, I really do appreciate it. And I do also want to say thank you to everybody who left your vacation stories. If you remember way back when, when I did actually post a a previous episode, episode 19, in which we go Hawaiian, I had asked you for your own quilt vacation stories. And um, I did offer a drawing. And I have some Hawaiian themed quilty fabric for the winner of that drawing. And I want to say I got some great stories. I really appreciate again, everybody who joined in the fun. Again, I was reading a lot of those comments. My, My son's hospital room, this is the only hospital 
I've been in recently. And to tell the truth, I've been in a lot of hospitals recently because before my mom died, I think she had at least one surgery a year, sometimes a couple. So I've become pretty familiar with hospitals these last few years. Uh, But with my son, this was the first time I was in a hospital that had wireless in the patient's rooms, including ICU. So I was able to bring my laptop with me every day and I was able to keep up with work, which was um, really helpful uh, that I didn't blow through my entire year's worth of vacation days um, while I was sitting next to his bed while he was sleeping. I was actually able to keep up with work and and do um, full work days while I was there. A little spread out in between, you know, the doctors poking their noses in and whenever my son did come to wake up and needed help. Um, But I was able to keep working and I was able to read your comments and such as you were posting them, even if I wasn't able to respond. So it was, you know, nice little bright spots in otherwise long, difficult, sometimes rather tedious days. So again, appreciate it. Uh, But anyway, got the vacation stories. I don't really want to, again, take the time to read them now because some of them were fairly lengthy. I would encourage you to go to uh, the podcast blog site, which is at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com and check out the comments under episode 19. A few people also left vacation stories at my um, blogspot.com. I'm sorry, at my blogger blog, uh, which is quiltingfortherestofus.blogspot.com, because apparently I wasn't entirely clear <laughs> about where I intended to have you leave comments. I apologize for that. Um, I was a little bleary still from all my travels when I did that last episode, so I wasn't quite as clear in my instructions. But in any case, uh, there's vacation stories at either spot. So I'd really encourage you to go read them. Um, they're fun stories. And what I was struck with most was the... Um, Oh, I don't want to quite use the word manipulation, but (laughs) I'm not quite sure what word I would use instead of that, that some of us go through to make sure we can get our families to let us go to quilt shops on our vacations. There's some pretty clever ruses going out there, and quite a few um, interesting deals and negotiations happening between spouses and with children, etc. So I think I got some great ideas (laughs) for my own future. Thank you for mentoring me in that aspect. Um, Corinne or Corinne, I'm sorry, I'm not sure how you pronounce your name, in Canada shared a great vacation story from British Columbia. And Alberta shared a story about traveling to Deep Creek, Maryland. Lori mentioned as well the Quilter's Travel Companion, which I believe I mentioned in that episode about Hawaii. Um, That is a very helpful book. And she specifically mentioned a quilt show that she had happened to cross called The Cherry Pit in Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge area. So if you're ever in that area, check out The Cherry Pit. Mm, I can't read my handwriting. It's either Mandela or Mardella. I'm sorry, I think it's Mandela. Uh, Learned to quilt from relatives while she was on a vacation. She was visiting her husband's family and their hostess was a quilter. And she spent a couple of weeks watching her quilt and eventually it stuck. And she's a quilter now as well. Denise mentioned a vacation in Albuquerque, and she also mentioned, oh, I'm sorry, I can't read my handwriting again. I think it says Battle Mountain, Nevada, which she has driven through many times with her husband on vacation, but never at the time that the quilt shop is open. So, Denise, we're rooting for you. Hope you get to Battle Mountain sometime when the quilt store is open. Barbara had a really touching, it was touching to me story about um, 
learning about her grandmother's quilts. She had gone to visit some older relatives with the intention of capturing family stories for posterity. And she knew her grandmother's a quilter, but she mentioned in the story that she left on the blog that she didn't realize how much her grandmother's quilts were going to feature in these family stories. And I actually had a similar experience when my mother passed away that, um, one of my sisters, none of my sisters are quilters. I'm the only one. There's another one I'm sort of working on. She she may have quilting in her future, but at the moment she doesn't. Uh, but anyway, one of my other sisters commented, gee, I wonder what mom would think if she um, heard how much everybody thinks of her quilting or how much people are talking about her quilting or something. I don't remember now exactly how she worded it. But, you know, she kind of was saying, well, this was just sort of a hobby. She didn't understand why it was such a big deal for mom. And and I had to explain to her, you know, it's, it wasn't just a hobby for mom. It really was sort of a major portion of her social life and it was her creative outlook. And this was really kind of her thing. So um, it wasn't just me as a quilter who saw that same thing happen with my mom, um, Barbara, as what you saw happening with your grandmother. But I think it really does happen that um, from the outside perspective, okay, somebody just makes quilts, and it isn't until they really start hearing the stories and other people's memories that they realize how important quilting really has been in that person's life and in their relationship with the rest of their family. I digress. Sorry, Barbara. That really was a touching moment for me reading your story, so I appreciated that. Uh, Sharon also shared a story about being in Hawaii, and Sharon, by the way, just wanted to tell you, finish your quilt. We want to see pictures of it. Um, Elisa, if if I'm pronouncing it properly, uh, shared a story of being in Napa Valley, and again mentioned a quilt that, you know, it's not fair of you to talk to me about quilts without uh, showing us pictures, so make sure you show us those pictures, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about how you can show pictures later. Judy G shared a story also about Hawaii, but she mentioned also going to the Heritage Quilt Festival in Lancaster, and I got to tell you, Judy, haven't gotten there yet, and I'm, I think I'm closer to it than you are. I'm only a few hours away, really, here in western New York, and I hope to get there some year. It just hasn't made it on the calendar yet. Kathleen left a story about Atlantic Beach, North Carolina. I think that's right. (laughs) Sorry again. Not reading my handwriting really well. Uh, Lynn talked about Rosie's Calico Cupboard in San Diego. And Lynn, I got to tell you, when I was heading to San Diego last year for a family vacation, um, that same shop was recommended to me by a member of my guild. And I think her son lives out in San Diego. And so she spends more time out there than, you know, just most of us who get out there for an occasional vacation. And she highly recommended Rosie's Calico Cupboard. Unfortunately, I didn't get the time... um, Um, to go visit it, but apparently it's a great shop. So any of you that head to San Diego, check it out. Uh, Tammy shared a story about happening by chance upon a quilt show that she found on a day trip. And isn't that always fun when that happens? Um, Susan talked about going to Sonoma and a quilt shop that she found while on vacation there. Um, Kate had a great story about bribing her husband with whale-watching cruises so that she could go to um, quilt shops. Debbie also shared a story about going to Maui uh, when she had a relative. And I'm sorry, I don't have the story open in front of me, but I believe a relative was based there in the Marines, just like my nephew-in-law now is. No, well, he's married to my niece, whatever that makes him. I consider him my nephew. Is that a nephew-in-law? I'm not sure what that means. Anyway, my he is now based in Hawaii, and my niece is out there with him, and I hope that means I get to go out there and visit again soon. And Anna shared a story of visiting the UP, or the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, 
and um, collecting or starting to make a series of blocks featuring lighthouses, which she has not yet made into a quilt. Um, and although we will not rush you on finishing that quilt, because I know you've got a ton going on there, Anna, um, you know, show us the pictures of the ones you got done. I want to see pictures. So of all of those folks who shared their stories with me, I used the random number generator website and Susan with your story from Sonoma, you're the winner. You're going to get those uh, Hawaiian themed fat quarters and I will be in touch with you to um, find out your mailing address and etc. So congratulations and all the rest of you, you will still have options for quilting giveaways in the future, for fabric giveaways in the future. So don't be too sad. Okay, now let me keep going. Okay, I'm sorry. I I did say in one of my postings, I think it was in Facebook, maybe it was in Big Tent, that I was going to try to pull out an episode this week to bring y'all up to speed on my life and what was going on, but I didn't promise it was going to be particularly articulate or organized. <laughs> and so you're you're seeing that now. I did my best at getting myself organized, um, but you know, I'm still a little scattered and overtired. So hopefully I'll be able to pull this off. Okay, we've got a few new entries in the You Know You're a Quilter When category, which I always love reading. Okay, this one is from Joe Vandermeer. <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, Joe says, You Know You're a Quilter When Your Husband Tells You to Go So Because That Will Make You a Happier Person And Your Family Starts Pointing Out to You Things That Are Quilty Related When You Are Out and About. You know, I keep trying to tell my family to just let me go spend some quality time in my sewing room because I won't be as cranky and they haven't quite picked up on telling me to go do it yet. But, you know, they at least now allow me the space to do it. Uh, So, Joe, congratulations on your husband and your family kind of getting with the program. Uh, Sherry D. Sherry, I met through JL's blog at um, Art Quilter and I've appreciated Sherry. She and I have actually had some emails back and forth and some other comments. Sherry said, you know, your quilter, when house shopping, you buy the house that has the best room for your studio as your first priority. We did just this two years ago. The house we bought had a family room by the kitchen for the TV, pets, and family. A separate living room with a door can be shut to keep pets and family out. It was also noted that the front door could be used for visiting quilters. They come into my studio first. This works well, as most quilters do not judge on the basis of studio neatness. The rest of my house is hidden from view. <laughs> so that's great, Sherry. Thank you for sharing that. Susan mentioned or left a comment. You know you are a quilter when the bags of coffee, the ones with the blue, silver, and white design at Starbucks, look interesting enough to incorporate into a quilt design. Um, I try to spend as much time at Starbucks as possible, so I'll be checking those bags out next time I'm there. Thank you to all of you for your entries in the You Know Your Quilter When page. For the rest of you, if you are just catching up with our podcast, I know I've been getting notices that I have a lot of new listeners lately, so that's been great. Um, Just go to www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And you will see the show notes for the episode where you can leave comments there. There's also tabs across the top. And you'll see one that's, uh, you know, your quilter when, although I don't think it says that entire phrase anymore. I think it just says your quilter, maybe. Uh, There's a tab for quilt shops and there's a tab for um, the creativity challenge. We do have an addition to the shop's listing. Susan added Broadway quilts in Sonoma, California. 
And, oh, I don't remember if this happened before the last episode or not, but Jay has left some new shops listings as well. I'm sorry, I don't remember if I already mentioned that one in the last episode or not. So make sure you check out that shops listing and see. I always add anything that I've been to and and visited there. I'll I'll leave them there as well as websites. And um, listeners, you are please invited to uh, use the comments section there on that page to add your own shops. And it's a great way for us to build a sort of a resource database for when we travel. Just check it out and see what's near where you're going to be. We've also gotten a few comments on various episodes. Um, Sherry, who I already talked about, uh, left a comment on episode 12 in which we are valued and says, just a quick hint when shopping for fabrics and wondering about their value. If you have access to a child or grandchild, children, they often get little toys that help them find the hidden or secret answer in fast food kid meals or in cereal boxes. I have two such viewfinders in my two purses. One has red plastic film encased by a cardboard cutout shaped like a magnifying glass. The other is a red film encased in a plastic viewfinder. It's colored a bright hot pink, so I feel so stylish. I am always prepared to check out the values of fabrics when shopping in the quilt shops. I use them at home, too. So, for the mere price of some sort of sugary cereal or some sort of fast food kid meal, you, too, could have your own value finder that you didn't have to pay 20 bucks for or whatever it is in the quilt shops. I say that, but I did pay my whatever it was in the quilt shops to own mine. They are very, very helpful um, to have, and I have to say, I don't just have mine in my purse, and I probably should. I have a small tape measure in my purse, but I don't have a value finder, and I should probably do that. So thank you so much for that um, hint, Sherry. Appreciate it. A couple of non-vacation stories, uh, comments that were left on episode 19 in which we go Hawaiian. Uh, Marumo or Marumo, I'm sorry, I still don't know how to pronounce your name, and you're a frequent commenter. We really, we need to straighten that out. You need to send me the phonetic spelling or something at some point, because I feel bad that I think I'm always butchering it every time I mention it. Uh, Anyway, she said, glad to hear you enjoyed your Hawaiian quilt experience. As I was listening to your interview with Anne, I slowly remembered that I was part of her crane quilt project after 9-11. How can I forget about that? Certainly, how can you forget about that? I'm still waiting to see a picture of the crane quilt project. Anne had told me she was going to email it to me, and I haven't gotten it. So, uh, Marumo or Marumo or Marumo, <laughs> I'm sorry. However, I am horribly mispronouncing your name. If you've got a picture of it, if you could send it along, that would be great too. I'm anxious to see it. Susan sent me her blog, which I'm not going to share in the show notes here because I'm going to feature it in an upcoming newsletter. Uh, as you, those of you who get the newsletter know, uh, I include blogs I am reading. And I'm right now at the moment always featuring listener blogs because I do always read my listener blogs even if I have to blow off everybody else's because I've gotten too far behind. Uh, But Susan's blog, let me just say, it frequently features wonderful mouth-watering photos of freshly baked bread products. (laughs) It's it's a really nice one. Uh, It's a little unfair as I often read blogs at times it doesn't do to get too hungry, but hmm... That's a yummy one. Susan, anytime you want to send me a care package, I am so game. <laughs> you have, I've been enjoying your blog. So thank you for that. Um, comment on episode 18. I think it was 18 in which we discussed art versus craft versus hobby. And this one is from Joan in England. And Joan, first of all, I love having international listeners. That just really jazzes me. And um, particularly, I've been to England a couple of times. So every time I 
hear from a listener in England, I'll say, oh, hey, I've, you know, where are you from? And I've been to this place or that place. So I've had a great time emailing Joan with memories of my own trips um, to England. Someday I hope to get back. Anyway, Joan says um, she has been quilting for approximately six years, and she has been thinking about whether she regards it as a hobby, craft, or an art. And she says, I have decided it's very simple for me. I think of it as a hobby because I do it in my spare time and not for monetary gain. I think of it as a craft because I have had to learn craft skills to become any good at it. Craft skills being learned by repetition of various acts, training my brain and my hands to work together to perform well. I would like to think of it as an art, as I consider the use of color, form, and even texture as artistic, but as I find this the most difficult, I don't think of my quilting as an art yet. However, I am hopeful. Thank you very much, Joan, for your comment. I do also want to make a comment here that um, Anne of Unearthing Quiltability podcast did also do her own response um, to the art versus craft versus hobby conversation in her podcast series, again, Unearthing Quiltability. And I'm sorry, I don't remember which episode it was, because again, I am way behind and I'm just trying to um, now catch up. So I'm kind of losing track of who posted when. Um, But if you want to hear more about the art versus craft versus hobby, check out Unearthing Quiltability podcast. Oh, also, while I'm thinking about it in my catching up on podcasts, um, another clarification that was made for me. Thank you so much, Allison of Within a Quarter Inch. She was the one that was talking about the Janome free motion quilting um, bobbin case that I had mentioned before. Thank you. Um, for those of you who are, again, new listeners at some point on some past episode, I don't have a clue now which one I mentioned this in. I have a Janome. Uh, I've always been a Janome girl because my mother was a Janome girl. So she bought me my first sewing machine. It was a Janome and I've stuck with them ever since. I really love them. And then I um, inherited her Janome, sort of her flagship of her sewing machine fleet, uh, is the Janome Memory Craft 6600. And I'm loving this thing. Um, Anyway, I had been listening to what I now find out was with within a quarter inch podcast, and Allison had talked about just having bought the new free motion foot and bobbin case, uh, free motion quilting bobbin case for her Janome, and raved about it, said it made it move like butter, and so I mentioned in one of my podcasts that I couldn't remember where I'd heard it, but I had heard that this thing, you know, made it work like butter, uh, and so I have now bought the new free motion foot and bobbin case. I had a free motion foot before, but this is a new version of one, a new model. It's designed a little bit differently and I'd never had the bobbin case. So I just, I got the bobbin case uh, in the mail and I got it right in the middle of my travel. So um, I really have, I haven't had time to play with it at all. I'm hoping sometime in the next couple of weeks I can put it on my machine and take it for a spin and see if it's all that in a bag of chips. Um, I hope it is. And thank you again, Allison, for clarifying that for me. Appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for the ratings and reviews left on iTunes. I've gotten a few new ones in my couple of weeks' absence. I really appreciate them. Um, All of us podcasters do appreciate when you're able to leave your own reviews on iTunes. Hang on, I'm being paged by one of my children. I've got to answer that just a second. Okay, I'm back. Sorry, that was my daughter intercoming me to find out what was for dinner, and now she's cooking dinner. I love it (laughs) that that worked out so well. Anyway, okay, back to what I was saying. Oh, I've got a 
uh, I think I started to say something about all of us podcasters enjoying it when people leave reviews on iTunes because that helps other people find us too. So um, not just for me, but for every podcast you listen to, it's always helpful if you can leave uh, ratings and reviews. And, you know, it's generally it warms our cockles, <laughs> the cockles of our hearts. If you leave nicer reviews, that's always good. I appreciate it. I have a, a quick promo spot to do and no I'm not getting paid for this this is not a paid sponsorship this is just um, I had gotten an email from a nearly hometown gal uh, at least somebody that lives not too far from me in western New York about maybe an hour away and she mentioned an upcoming quilt show that I wanted to let you know about unfortunately that conversation was a couple of weeks ago before my son ended up with his oh shall we call it extended hospital vacation so hopefully this isn't too late now but um, I do want to mention that the Amherst Museum Quilt Guild's annual seminar is going to be September 15th to 18th in Amherst, New York. Amherst is not too far from Buffalo, so there's a whole lot of listeners I've got that I know live within just a few hours of drive of that, so it might be worth you checking out. Um, Their teachers are Sue Nichols and Debbie Caffrey, and um, Marilyn Broad, Anne Beyer, I don't think I'm pronouncing that right, Barb Sackle, Kit Willie Wiley, uh, Katie... Nolke, <laughs> Denise Lamarca, Kathy Curry, and Alice Fonner. I apologize again for any names I may have just butchered. Um, and for more information about the seminar, visit their website at www.amqg, or again, Amherst Museum Quilt Guild, that's their initials, .org, and click on the seminar tab. Hey, I'm always about promoting the, the local folks, so I just wanted to let you know that was going on. Okay, a little bit of update about what's been going on in my life that did not involve hospitals. Uh, Not actually a whole lot. Hang on, let me pause again and get myself mentally reorganized here again. Just hold up. Okay, I think I've got my head back on straight. I really appreciate it. I generally try not to do that in the middle of a podcast, but I'm assuming you're just going to give me a little bit of leeway on this episode. Um, Again, back to a little bit of update on what I've got going on. Uh, when I was in the hospital, and I think I'd posted something about this in Big Tent, I decided uh, for the evenings when I was done with work and you know was trying to talk to my son more um, if he was actually awake at the time, I, I don't do well just sitting. I need to have something to do. And so I brought along um, one of the kits I had bought while I was in Hawaii. Sort of, I think I mentioned that I had several tiers of... <laughs> of kits starting at the most basic and simple and working their way up. So I brought the one that was the most basic and simple. It is a very small, um, uh, maybe eight inches or so square, uh, one piece applique. It's just a hibiscus and you just, it's already basted. It's already cut on there. All the lines are drawn out. So all I had to do was applique that puppy down and then do just a little bit of a couple of different embroidery stitches and then some hand uh, quilting around it. And then the kit comes with a picture frame that you then put this in. You don't even finish it off as a quilt. You could if you wanted to, but it's made to be put in this frame. Uh, So I figured, oh, this will be simple. I can probably have it done by the time my husband or my son is out of the hospital. You know, what a great way to learn uh, applique. Well, I got it out. The first time I got it out, I believe my son was still in ICU. So I, you know, was even more kind of stressed and scattered at that point. Um, And took several stitches and decided that the thread that came with the kit for the applique, I think it was for the applique, maybe it wasn't, 
maybe I was supposed to use one of the other threads anyway, that I had pulled out a white thread and it just, it was all wrong. And um, I had only taken one other applique course in my life and that was probably two, three years ago now. So I'm, you know, pulling stuff out of my deepest, darkest memories and of course hadn't really had the presence of mind to be able to sit and kind of look through some of my applique qu- uh, books for instructions before I went to the hospital or whatever. I just grabbed the kit and run. So um, I had posted in, again, I think it was in Big Tent that I had this issue with this thread. And Jay had left a comment about um, silk thread having, she doesn't do applique herself, I think she said, sorry, Jay, if you do. Uh, but she had said she had read in a couple places about using silk thread. So I decided, well, I'll wait until I get the right thread. And then, of course, it was several days before I even had time. I did not have any of the right thread at home. I have one spool of silk thread, but it wasn't the right color. The kit is a white background and then the hibiscus itself is a solid fuchsia and so the silk thread that I had is sort of an ivory color so I knew that wasn't going to work and so I did finally get a chance once my son was out of ICU and in the regular hospital our visiting hours and our whole schedule sort of shifted a little bit and my husband and I were spelling each other a little bit more Um, so there was one morning that my husband went over to the hospital first thing and I had a couple of hours around the house to get some stuff done and then go to the hospital myself by noon. And so I stopped at my LQS because my local quilt shop shop is maybe three minutes from my house. (laughs) It's really close. And so I stopped and they didn't have silk thread per se, but they had sort of a, um, I don't remember what it's called. It's a Mettler. It's silk-like cotton or something. It is 100% cotton thread, but it's got sort of a silk finish to it and it was the right color. And so once I got that, then the applique went a lot better. It's a needle turn applique method. I'm not particularly good at it yet. Um, what I said on a way previous episode once is that I'm going to stop saying I'm not good at something. I'm going to say I'm not practiced at it, and I'm certainly not practiced at needle turn applique. Uh, it's not the smoothest of edges. I'm also thinking some of that may have been because I was following the lines that she had drawn on the piece for where I was supposed to turn over, and it wasn't always even. Some places it was wider than others. And so when I had the mental capacity to actually back up and say okay wait I don't just have to blindly follow this line I need to kind of figure it out myself as I went you know that helped a little bit but um, I'm it still wasn't smooth and I'm wondering if some of it may also have had to do with the needle I was using because I have one sort of go-to needle that I use uh, whenever I'm doing handwork and it's oh I don't know I think it's a 10 I think I'd have to compare it because it hasn't been in its case in a long long time um but I'm wondering if maybe if I'd had a thinner needle or maybe a longer one, I'm not sure that maybe there was something about the needle itself that was making it more difficult for me. Not that it, you know, not that I'm going to blame my tools. I just need to get more practiced at it, but certainly having the right tool for the job helps. So if any of you have done a lot of needle turn applique, and if you have found that a particular needle seems to work really well for you, uh, lay it on me. Cause I really enjoyed this process. Um, I have been wanting for a long time to have something that's more portable, uh, more handwork to do. You know, like I've said, I travel a lot. It would be nice to have something other than, you know, the binding is really the only thing I ever do by hand. And those, by the time I'm putting binding on a quilt, it's kind of big and it's hard to fit in a suitcase. So I'd like to do more applique um, pieces and I just need to kind of get the hang of it. I also know there's other methods than needle turn, and I'm going to be playing with some of those as well. I have done a lot of machine applique, and I've done a lot of felted wool, uh, which both of those I really enjoy, and I was pretty good at those. Um, But I'd like to experiment with some more traditional 
applique. And a few folks did send me some suggested resources and DVDs, some of which I do already have. I just need to study up on that. But I'm really curious about this whole needle thing. So if you have any suggestions about the particular needle that you you that you like to use when you do needle turn, let me know, because I would appreciate uh, knowing that. So that was my Hawaiian applique experience. Um, I am at the point now where the whole thing is applique down. I've done some of the embroidery. I had to just do kind of a straight stitch, stem stitch, I don't remember what it's called now, um, that I had, first time I'd ever done it, but it was a fairly simple stitch, so that went pretty well. But then I had to do some French knots. Those didn't turn out so well, so I need to go back to my books and consult them again <laughs> and see what I was doing wrong and get those done again. And then it's just the hand quilting, so that shouldn't take me that much longer to finish. Meanwhile, however, when I did get home when my son got home from the hospital at that point I did take a couple of vacation days I took the first day that he was home he got sent home at seven o'clock at night on Monday night so I took Tuesday off because I knew it was going to take us a while to get him settled into a routine and sure enough I spent the whole day uh, I had to run out and buy some more bandages and first aid kinds of stuff and then had to run out and buy him some more pillows because he didn't have enough to prop himself up in bed the way he needed to be able to sleep and you know we had to have him out walking we ended up taking him back into the doctor that day because I wasn't keen on the way part of his incision looked and sure enough we had some extra care stuff we now need to do but enough about that anyway the first day of my vacation day was spent just really focused on him and what he needed to have done the next day I decided to take a second vacation day because I was exhausted and by then he was more independent we had figured out most of the stuff he was settled in um, so I was able to have a little more time to myself and so I actually got to spend a few hours in my sewing room and boy is that therapeutic <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is about quilting that's so therapeutic but boy that really helped me get my head back on straight I really appreciated that time um, and what I decided to do was work on another one of those charity quilts again if you've been listening right along you know I have five charity quilts that somebody else pieced the tops and all I'm doing is uh, putting the backing the batting and quilting them and binding them and getting them out the door and the first one was a real pain in the tukas it took me hours and hours and hours to do uh, the second one went much more quickly and um, yesterday two days ago I guess it was just Wednesday that I took that vacation day I got the third one done to the point of now I'm just hand sewing the binding on the back so that felt really good to get another one done uh, however here I was proud of myself I was trucking right along on it quilted it well made the binding from uh, the remainder of the backing material I used so it was doing some great stash busting too somehow though I managed to make get this 198 inches extra <laughs> of my binding <laughs> I have no idea how I did that. Uh, Lord knows. I mean, I, I redid the math a couple of times when I was making it because I kept thinking, boy, this feels like I'm making a lot of binding for this quilt, but okay, this is the way the wet math is working out. And sure enough, I get to the end of the quilt and I'm, I still have this whole roll of binding hanging around my neck and I decided to measure it at the end and it's 198 <laughs> inches worth of extra binding. So, you know, again, object lesson. This is what happens when you quilt without a brain. <laughs> Luckily, that was an era that, you know, is okay because somewhere I will be able to use 198 inches of binding. That just cracked me up when I discovered how far off I was in my figures on that. Okay, so um, that's what I've done quilting-wise. I did also set up a Flickr group 
And so now, rather than you having to wait for me to have time, uh, when you send me your pictures, which I love, I love to see your pictures, thank you for sending them, and then I always ask for permission to post them on my blog, and then it takes me for freaking ever to get around to doing it, and I really am very, very sorry about that. Uh, Jennifer and Deb, both of you particularly, sent me photos, oh... I don't know, months ago now, probably. And I kept saying, oh, I'm going to get them on the blog. I'm going to get them on the blog. And I never got them on the blog. So I have now uploaded those to the Flickr group. And I put your names on them so everybody know, will know they're yours. Uh, so all you have to do, if you haven't already joined Flickr, just set yourself up a free Flickr account. Not a big deal to do. And Flickr does actually intersect with other things. Like I actually use Fanfare as my um, online photo album storage and Fanfare intersects with Flickr, so I can take something from my Fanfare account and just shoot it right over to Flickr, which is very nice. It also, I think, intersects with Twitter and with something else, or that might be Fanfare that does. Anyway, uh, Flickr is through Yahoo, and it does intersect with several other programs. And all you have to do is join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. And then you can also share your photos with everybody else, and we don't all have to wait for me to be able to get around to do it, because I'm really bad at that, and I apologize. Um, so the direct link is actually www.flickr, which is F-L-I-C-K-R dot com slash groups slash Quilting for the Rest of Us. Um, or you can just go to Flickr and search for Quilting for the Rest of Us, or I will put the link, I think I already have actually, on my www.quiltingfortherestofus.com website. If you look on the right-hand side, you'll see the link to subscribe to the free newsletter. By the way, subscribe to the free newsletter. You will also see a link there to join the Big Tent group. By the way, join the Big Tent group. And now you will also see the link for the Flickr group. So do join. A few people did join right off the bat because I posted a message in Big Tent and I posted it on my blog that I had done this and I already have, I think, six additional members. Thank you so much. And I want more because I get very greedy when it comes to looking at pictures of quilts or works in progress. So do join the Flickr group. The other thing I accomplished was I had a birthday yesterday. Um, thanks to everyone who left me birthday greetings via Facebook, including a little off-key singing by Lady Rags, and that was her words. I didn't actually hear her sing. Uh, yeah, in the midst of all this madness, I have turned 45. According to everyone who has reached that benchmark before me, this is the year my eyes suddenly turn on me and I have to triple my eyeglass prescription or something like that. So far, so good. Not bad. But, you know, I don't mind being 45, and I think that has to do with the fact that I'm still the youngest of all my sisters and my brothers. So even though I'm 45, I'm still the baby of the family, so I can still feel young. Um, that's always fun. So uh, had a birthday. We haven't actually really finished the birthday celebration. It's always hard when you have a birthday in the middle of the week because you don't have time really to go out to dinner or anything like that. So my husband had a work event which involved a family day over at our uh, local minor league team. We are the Rochester Red Wings. We are a farm team for uh, Minnesota Twins. It used to be Baltimore Orioles, but it more recently is Minnesota Twins. And we like going to Red Wings games. I don't actually follow baseball per se, but I love going to live baseball games. Absolutely love the ballpark, love the whole atmosphere, love hanging out on a nice summer evening and going to ball games. So even though this was a work thing and it was, you know, all sorts of work people involved, 
I did go and my daughter went. My son would have gone except, you know, for this little surgery thing. So he had made arrangements. I was originally going to stay home with him, uh, but he kicked me out of the house. He told me, no, mom, it's your birthday. You need to go out. So he had made arrangements for one of his friends to come stay with him so he wouldn't be alone. And I went to the baseball game. And um, because it was a family day, it was me and my daughter and my sister and my nephew and um, a niece from another sister. And then a couple of other kids came with her um, that are part of the family. And then my in-laws came. So it was really kind of a nice family time. And we had a really fun evening. So that was kind of my birthday celebration so far. And my husband sent me a beautiful bouquet of flowers, which was always very nice. But we're actually doing our family birthday dinner this weekend. So um, I've told my husband I want him to make me turkey on the grill. If you've never had a turkey, I mean a a whole turkey done on a grill, oh, you got to try it. It is absolutely wonderful. He's done it twice before for me in my life. And I figure, you know, I'm 45. We got to knock another one out. (laughs) I got to have that turkey on the grill. So we're going to try to do that tomorrow. In the quilting birthday present category, my sister, the one who isn't quite a quilter yet, but we're working on her, uh, she sent me a quilt book that I had never seen before, but it's really, really cool. It's by Don Lynn, um, Don, D-O-N, Lynn, L-I-N-N, and it's called Design Art Deco Quilts. And I love Art Deco, my husband and I always have, and this book is about how to design Art Deco style Uh, quilts yourself and it kind of takes you on a step-by-step process oh it's beautiful eye candy I love the photos in his uh, quilt gallery I think I need to get a little further in certain skills before I can really tackle some of this but he really does kind of lay it out in a step-by-step process how you can go about designing this and then how you can make your design become a reality so it's it's a beautiful book Um, I can't wait to play with it more but I've sat and I've you know gone through it cover to cover two or three times since I got it a couple times ago uh, a couple days ago so that was wonderful thank you Diney I did also buy myself a birthday gift because I got a financial um, birthday gift about a week ago now and so I put it towards buying myself EQ7. I have EQ6 and I'd been kind of putting off getting the upgrade and I went ahead and bought it now so um, it may have actually come today. I haven't actually been downstairs out of my office yet today. I went right from work into creating this podcast so um, it may be sitting outside for me. The UPS guy might have brought it. If not, maybe tomorrow or Monday Uh, but I'm looking forward to being able to play with that. So happy birthday to me. Looking forward to messing around with my EQ7. Oh, and and I wanted to tell a little story. While I was at the Red Wings game yesterday, um, I was sitting next to my mother-in-law and Lady Rags sent me uh, some pictures for my birthday. She sent me some pictures of um, an exhibit of an art quilter who did, they weren't really Hawaiian quilts, but they're certainly sort of uh, the the they're flowers <laughs> let me try to get a word out clearly here the art quilts that lady rag sent me the pictures of are floral quilts um but they're they have a very tropical feel to them very hawaiian feel and so she had sent them to me saying i thought you might appreciate these after you know listening to your hawaiian episode and i can get emails on my cell phone and download the photos so i was sitting next to my mother-in-law and i said oh you got to look at these these are gorgeous and so my mother-in-law was looking at them and she's also not a quilter but she you know she appreciates pretty things and so she was um appropriately interested in these these photos and then she asked me you know now that your mother's gone who is your quilting mentor And I had to think about it for a second. And then I said, you know what? My listeners are. (laughs) 
then I talked to her about how I post questions in the Big Tent group and, you know, we have the Facebook group and such. And I said, you know, this is really kind of one of the things I've wanted to do through this podcast is create a community. And, and I really feel like we've done that. And how I appreciate that when I have a question about something, I can just shoot it out there and I can get 15 different ideas about how to approach it. Uh, so thank you for that. I really appreciate that. And um, she was interested in the answer. And we talked a little bit about the podcast at that point. So it was kind of a cool conversation. Let's see what else has happened. I did get uh, the two Hawaiian books that I said I had ordered. I've gotten them both now. I've read through one of them and I'm still working. Uh, just got the other one yesterday. So I've only looked at a couple of pages in it, but boy, they're pretty. Uh, so I mentioned those in the August newsletter that went out. So make sure you pay attention to them. I recommend them even more highly now that I've actually laid eyes on them and see them. Okay, the only other thing I really wanted to mention was that um, I am a huge magazine junkie, and there's been a few different conversations in Big Tent about quilt magazines um, in other podcast groups. Uh, I know Off Culture Quilt, for one, I think had a conversation about it. Um, There may be other podcast groups that had the conversation. I don't really remember. But anyway, um, some people love quilt magazines. Other people hate them. Um, I am a magazine junkie. I I love magazines. And that doesn't mean that I sit down with every quilt magazine and want to make every single pattern. That's not at all the case. And, you know, sometimes, yeah, I, I look at the patterns and I think, well, this is all a lot of, you know, kind of variations on a theme. It's not particularly exciting. But I always find something in every magazine that's a little bit of an inspiration about something, whether it's just a color or a different way to put blocks together, whatever. But you know what it really mostly is, is I just find magazines comforting. I travel with them a lot. They are my airplane entertainment, podcasts, and magazines. If I'm feeling really overwhelmed and overtired, the first thing I will tend to do is go out and buy a magazine and spend an afternoon, you know, or in the evening while we're watching TV, I'll be flipping through a magazine or whatever. So one of the days I had, you know, a couple hours in the morning that I could do some stuff before getting over to the hospital, I had to stop at Joanne's. And now I don't remember what I was looking for there originally, but there was something I needed to pick up. Oh, I know what it was, decorations for my in-law's 50th anniversary party, which is a whole other story. But anyway, I decided to go to Joanne's and pick up some tool or tull, however you pronounce that word, T-U-L-L-E to do some decorations for and checked out their magazines and I decided that time to go international. I bought a whole bunch of quilting magazines from um, I think they were actually all from Australia and Ireland. I don't think there were any from England in that particular batch. I had three or four all together and a lot of them were Australian. One was Irish. I really enjoy looking at quilt magazines from other countries because again you don't get the same stuff you see in all the quilt magazines that are produced here in the U.S. Um, A lot of times in the U.S. you know you get a month's worth of different magazines and it feels like they kind of all called each other and said okay let's all talk about this this month or whatever. Um, You don't get that obviously you're getting a, a little something different. I tried to also look for could I detect some sort of discernible difference in the type of quilts that were being featured or the types of patterns um, or colors or fabrics or whatever. That was a little harder. I didn't see as much of a difference in the Irish magazine quilts from U.S. quilts as I did with the Australian ones. And the Australian ones, it looked to me like the colors in general were a little more muted a little more, not just earthy, but actually a little bit grayed out. But 
I do want to give the caveat that that may not be the quilts themselves. It may be the the print in the magazine. It might just be that the colors weren't quite as true in the magazine. So I don't want to make a sweeping generalization about that. I do have Australian listeners. So if you would like to weigh in on this, I'd appreciate it. Um, are the colors, Do you, I mean, in your opinion, do you think the colors tend to be a little bit different from the ones here in the U.S.? I did definitely notice, at least in the couple of magazines I was looking at in this particular instance, and this may be just this particular issue of each of these had this happen, and it's not an overall theme. Um, I noticed a lot more plaids in the Australian magazines, um, like all plaid type quilts, or that the, you know, was predominantly plaid. And by plaid, I don't mean bright color plaids or wide plaids, definitely almost more of what I would call uh, maybe a homespun type plaid, although that even kind of heads you in a different mental direction than what I'm describing. Again, that was just something I noticed in these particular magazines. But again, I'd really be interested to hear from the Australian listeners. Is that true? Are there, do there tend to be more plaids used, more homey kinds of fabrics? That was just something I was kind of curious about when I noticed it. The other thing I really want to know more about and again, Australian listeners, this is this was something, one of the uh, magazines, and I should have written down which one it was, had an article in there about a traditional Australian quilt called, and I'm not going to probably pronounce this right, a WAGA or a WAGA, W-A-G-G-A. And the article was about the history of this thing and kind of, um, I guess there's a special gallery exhibition of them right now. I want to know more. So <laughs> if any of you can um, can post comments to the show notes for this episode or send me an email or something and educate me more about these wagas or wagas, and if you can somehow phonetically tell me how it should be pronounced, I'd appreciate it. it was, I found that really interesting because that was something I'd never heard of before. And I'm all about learning new things. So... Um, let me know, and whatever you share with me, I will share on a future episode. I I enjoyed that particular article, and I, I really am curious. I'd like to know more. Um, and yeah, I could Google, but I figure if I've got quilters in Australia listening to this podcast, and you know I'm getting the, the straight shot stuff here, you know, that I'll be really interested to hear what you have to say. The Irish magazine was a huge piece of eye candy. <laughs> Because it had lots of pictures of the countryside, um, Ireland being someplace I've actually have always wanted to go to Australia too. Basically, I want to go everywhere. The Irish magazine, I believe, also had recipes in it, and it had something else there. It was it had a little more going on than just quilts in it, so I enjoyed it. I'm still kind of going through it a little bit now, and it's always fun to look at what the shows are and what the exhibitions are, and kind of who are the big name quilters in these other countries that maybe we haven't heard of here, and that kind of thing. So I. I appreciated going international, and I would encourage you all to do it. They are more expensive to buy here in the States, so it's kind of a once-in-a-while treat, but I'd really encourage you to do it, because it's it's cool to see how our favorite art form has been uh, interpreted in, in other countries and other cultures, and how it has grown up in those other uh, cultures as well. So I think that's all I have to say today. Boy, somehow I managed to fill in an hour with a whole lot of not very much. So (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember, uh, you can post comments in the www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow me on Twitter so I can follow you, sandyquiltsyz.com. 
And now, of course, you can join our Flickr group at flickr.com slash groups dot quilting for the rest of us or at the link off the quilting for the rest of us uh, page. And you can also follow my blog in which I talk about all my other quilty stuff going on. You can either find a link for that at the quilting for the rest of us dot com site or just go to quilting for the rest of us dot blogspot dot com. So thank you so much, and hopefully everybody in my house will stay healthy. I travel a little bit again next week, but I should not have a problem, knock on wood, getting a podcast episode out next week that maybe has more of a theme and more organization to it. Thanks a lot, everybody, for listening, and until my next episode, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 